I'm excited about our next speaker, Tredanius Beard. Many of you people know Trey because that's really what he goes by, Trey Beard. And Trey's become a very, very good friend of myself and of the Solomon Foundation. He currently serves as a senior pastor at Northwest Church of Christ in South Haven, Mississippi, which is a suburb of Memphis. Uh, Trey grew up in the city of Memphis and he went back there to minister and is doing a great job growing the church. Uh, he's married to Delisha and they have two beautiful children. And by the way, Delisha holds a PhD. So when you meet her, make sure you, you know that she's a very, very well-educated lady. Trey is a very, very special guy and I'm just pleased to be able to introduce him. He's one of the leading young leaders in the African-American non-instrumental church in America. So please help me welcome Trey Beard. Uh, we're thankful, we're grateful. I wanna tell Doug, thank you so much for the, you and the Solomon Foundation for uh, the invite and allowing me to just share my, my faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, this is my first conference here. It won't be my last. I'm so happy to be here as well. Let's give a round of applause to our two previous speakers, Dr. West and Dr. Diane. Thank you so much for uh, your presentation. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a little something a little different as, I, as we engage and as we talk about collaboration. I think it's a wonderful uh, theme. I believe it's something that is necessary for the body of Christ uh, and the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to be myself. We're just going to walk through some things and talk about some scripture as it relates to be kingdom minded in a castle world. Can y'all say that with me? Be kingdom minded in a castle world. Now, now let me start off with a, a, a scripture uh, that I believe can be the foundation of what we're about to talk about. Um, in Romans chapter 12, Verse 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the church at Rome, from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 11, the inspired Apostle Paul, he deals with doctrine. He deals with the doctrine of justification and the doctrine of sanctification. However, when we get to chapter 12, the Apostle Paul moves from doctrine to duty. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, verse 2 says this, be not conformed to this world or to this age, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, that's what I want to kind of, you to underline in your, in your head. Renewing, it's a Greek word that we give this, this thing of to renovate. To renovate, uh, to conform, uh, to metamorphose. I, I, when you renovate a house, you don't renovate a house uh, by putting new furniture in. Nor do you renovate a house by just throwing paint on a wall. In order to do a renovation, you must take out that which is old and put something new in. I want you to think what Paul says. Paul says, by the renewing of the mind, 
I think as a body of believers, the world has taught our culture a certain way to think. And because we live in the world, but we're not of the world, sometimes we are influenced by its culture. So therefore, there must be a renovation. We got to tear down what is old and put in something new. So as we talk about renewing of the mind, being not conformed to this world, this is going to be very important as we talk about collaboration. Now, I want you to, I want to give us a, a uh, by way of uh, a quote uh, from an unknown author as it relates to co collaboration. Uh, God did not create us to be independent. He created us to depend on him and each other. I believe that. I, I believe that God created you and I to depend on each other. Henry Blackaby would say it this way. He would say that everyone has a personal uh, relationship with God, but God did not meant for your relationship to be private. Every one of us may have a personal relationship, but God never meant for it to be private. You are not an island on the, on the island by yourself. And so, and so I, as we talk about collaboration, I want to kind of talk about being kingdom-minded in a council world. And what I want to do by way of definition, I want you to just walk with me. And what I want to do, I want to kind of give us a definition of this thing called council, right? What, what does it mean to be council, a council world, to be council-minded? Now, uh, to be council, to be a, a council-minded uh, or be, live in a council world, Sometimes it can be selfish, it's egocentric, it's just about me, it's about what we can do alone by ourselves, apart from everybody else. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you feel like you can be on an island by yourself without collaborating with anybody. That's council-mindedness. And that's some of the things we got to turn down, we got we to gotta take from, we got to rip it to, because God never meant for us to be council-minded. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. Uh, in our local context, all of a God has allowed us to bloom where we planted, in our neighborhoods, right? The people that he has allowed us to be stewards over. Uh, we, we are a council within that, but, but, but the kingdom, the, the council, your church, is not the kingdom. It's a part of the kingdom, but it's not the kingdom by itself. And so what we have to really embrace and what we have to really uh, understand is that God never meant for us to be, be this mindset, me, myself, and I, that he wants the kingdom of God. He wants uh, the, the blessings of the kingdom to be blessed beyond our local context, okay? So I want us, as we, as we go through this, and as we talk about being kingdom-minded in a council world, it's going to be very important. Now, since we understand council by way of definition, the way I'm defining it, let's talk about kingdom. Can somebody say kingdom? I, I want us to understand this word kingdom uh, to me is a very significant word. Oftentimes in our culture, in our Western culture, this word may not mean much to us because for many of us, we grew up in a democracy and we did not grow up in a kingdom. 
So when we read kingdom in scripture, we read the word oftentimes without an understanding of what it really means. So I believe that if we're really going to understand kingdom, we got to understand it the way the original audience understood kingdom as it relates to the word of God. And so we need to try to define what kingdom is because we're so used to voting presidents in and out. We're so used to giving what the people want. But in the kingdom, there is no vote. In the kingdom of God, there is one king. In the kingdom of God, it's not about the people, what the people want, it's what the king wants. And so, and so as we talk about collaboration, and if we're going to be the kingdom of God, here it is, we got to admit that maybe we've done church, but not kingdom. Maybe, maybe we are guilty of being so consumed with being council-minded that we have not been kingdom-minded. And so now we got to renovate. We got to test some stuff up put some new stuff in to say, really, I really want to be kingdom-minded. So, so by way of definition, kingdom, it is a territory by which a king rules and reigns, right? It, he, it, uh, he influences the kingdom through his will, power, culture, and laws. That's what a kingdom is. A kingdom is, is just that. It's a territory, by which a king rules and right. Now understand when we talk about kingdom again, understand kingdom meant something to, to, the, uh, to the biblical audience. Kingdom meant something different oftentimes what it meant to us. Now let me show you this as it relates to kingdom because I, before we get into this, talking about kingdom minding and what that looks like, we really got to grasp and understand the concept that, and be honest, that we have been practicing more castle than kingdom. And so I want us to really see this. So I want you to know there are four significant things in a part of a kingdom. In a, king, in a kingdom, there's always a king or a lord. Can somebody say king or lord? In a kingdom. You can't have a kingdom without first having a king and a lord. Now, now I know we use the word lord, but really that's kingdom language. Right? We read scriptures like he's the lord over my life. Really? But understand, that's really kingdom language. In, in, other words, in other words, I'm afraid in the modern-day church, Jesus, we want him to be our Savior, but we don't want him to be our Lord. Did it make sense? I'm, I'm going to say it again. I'm afraid that we're so consumed in him being the Savior of our lives, and he is, but we miss this kingdom language, him being Lord. We're so, it's almost like we want to be spiritual vampires. We want his blood, but we don't want him. And so, and so it's going to be very important that, that, that we're not guilty of being spiritual vampires. We're not guilty of saying that we just want to be saved, but we don't want him to be the Lord and the king over our lives. Because when he's your king, whatever, whatever you have, it belongs to him. When you're praying for your food, you're praying to thinking the king gave you his food to eat. Because he's king. Now, a, king, a kingdom 
has a territory. It has a domain which he rules, right? Uh, and that's very important. It is, it's very important to understand that if we're going to understand kingdom-mindedness, you got to understand a king, kingdom has a king or lord, but it also has a territory. It also has a constitution. Y'all follow that? Every kingdom has a constitution. If we are the king, a, a, a kingdom, guess what our constitution is? It's the Bible, the word of God. It, it, it is the very thing that, that dictates and lead us and direct us, right? Because it's our constitution, it's the Bible. Um, I'm reminded of what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. The word inspiration means God breathe. God breathe. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It is his breath. It is God breathe. You remember reading God breathe? That in the beginning of time, in the book of Genesis, the Bible says God created man from the dust of the ground, breathe into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God breathed into man. Now notice the principle. That which was dead became alive because God breathed. That which was inactive became active because God breathed. In the kingdom our constitution is the Bible, the word of God. Wouldn't it be great and wouldn't we move from being council-minded to kingdom-minded if we just allow God to breathe on us? If, if our churches will walk so much in being kingdom-minded, if we just allow the word of God to breathe on us. And so, and so I need us to understand in, this, in, a, in a, any kingdom, there is a king, there is a territory, there's a constitution, but there's, there are subjects. Every kingdom has subjects. And when we obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, we became the subject. Y'all follow that? We became uh, the subject. Now, here's the thing. In this kingdom, the citizens don't dictate the Constitution. And this, see, this is a different type of kingdom. In this kingdom, it ain't what the citizens want. It's what the king want. In this culture, in this kingdom, the, the, the culture does not dictate the Constitution. The Constitution dictates the culture. Right? So we are kingdom people. And let, me, and let me quote my big brother, Dr. Orpheus Hayward. He's sitting over there. Um, when a person submit the heart, their heart to the reign of Christ, they become the realm over which he rules. I think that's good. Because we are kingdom and not council. Now, now I, need to, I need to share this. Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, verse number uh, 13. I want you to know what it says. For he rescued us 
from the domain of darkness. You see that? And transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Notice the language. He wants to rule. He wants to reign in the hearts of men. Right? Now, 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 here's the thing. How, what does this look like for us in 2020, 2022? What does that look like? Right? Because we got to be honest, kingdom ain't about what we do three hours for three hours on a Sunday morning. It ain't what we do in our midweek Bible class. What we have to think about is, for us, how do we make sure that we remain kingdom-minded in the council world? Now, every kingdom, their process and what they're trying to do, they're trying to invade territory. Somebody say invade territory. I'm trying to show you how the kingdom thinks, not, not how the democracy thinks. A kingdom. A kingdom, what they're always trying to do and what they're after of, they're trying to invade territory. And so what they do, they do this thing called colonization. It's, it's a process that they go to, through called colonization. Now, colonization is the process to control over another's territory, teaching new language, new laws, new lifestyle. So what does that mean? What, what every kingdom does, they go to evade territory. Why? Because the more territory that they invade and they rule gives the king more glory. Say it one more time. Colonization. It is when they invade territory. Why, why, why the invasion of territory? Well, the invasion of territory is so important because the more territory that they invade, the more the king can get glory. Third time's a charm. Uh, colonization <laughs> is when a king sends representatives to a different place, strip the place of their old language, strip them of their old laws, strip them of their own culture and give them a, a different language, a different culture. What are you doing? I am colonizing them because the more uh, territory that he invades, it gives the king more glory. There's something that the Romans used to say. They would say, all to the glory of Rome. Whenever they would go and invade and take over territory and strip the territory of their language, and their culture and their lifestyle and gave them a different a culture and a different, a different language, they would say all for the glory of Rome because the more territory that they invaded, the more the king got glory. Oh, I want you to see what our king does. You're familiar with the model prayer. Our father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What you doing, God? I'm invading territory. I'm colonizing. I want to take over territory. In other words, I want to invade earth with heaven. What are you doing, Jesus? Our king shows us what we're supposed to be doing. It, I listen, I love 
church events. I, I, I love, I love uh, coming together and, and giving to the community. I love all of that. But our number one priority is to save souls and rebuild lives and take territory for the sake of Jesus Christ. We are a kingdom people. And since we are a kingdom people, it, it's really, it really for us to make sure that we understand we got to invade some territories. It is when, it is when your, your heart submits to the, to the reign of Christ, we become his realm, right? And what happens in the process, in, the every, in our everyday life, on our jobs, in our communities, we're trying to meet individuals so we can invade the hearts of men so Christ can be able to be the territory which he rules and he reigns. In 1531, I believe it was 1531, uh, Spain invaded Mexico. And in invading Mexico, uh, they invaded, they sent representatives there to invade it. And they taught Spain a new language, a new lifestyle, a new, law, a new laws. So, so what needs to happen for us as the people of God, as the children of God? God is so interested in expanding territory. Think about your local context. He's... He's so interested in it. He's so interested in making sure that men and women can hear this gospel that we have, that souls can be saved. So we can walk around saying we're kingdom-minded and not council-minded. It's not just about us. It's not about what we can do alone. It's how we can collaborate and do it together. And we're going to get into some things as it relates to what that looks like. Um, so, so what I want, I want to kind of deal with three things. How do we deal, how do we become council-minded? I mean, kingdom-minded, rather. How do we become kingdom-minded, stay away from being council-minded? What does that look like? Number one, know your limitations. Can y'all say, know your limitations? Can y'all say it like y'all mean it? Know your limitations. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say it like somebody owe you some money. Know your limitations, amen. Uh, Know, know, know your limitations. It's going to be very important that if we're going to be kingdom-minded, we got to know that we can't do, every, we can't do it alone. That although you, you are a pastor or you're a preacher, you're a leader, you can't do it by yourself. Now, now I, need, I need to very, be very clear on this, that I, one of the things that I believe that the Bible consistently teaches is that God gives the man of God vision. The Ish Elohim, the man of God. He gives this man a vision uh, to set for his people. But he needs people, he needs men, women, to help him carry the very thing that God has given him. I, I, I know I'm right about it because when Paul writes to his son in the Gospel of Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, is what we write, it's called pastoral epistles. Uh, because he's writing not to the whole church, but he's writing to the preacher man, the man of God, because he wants him to know that you're going to be the one who's going to be able to carry this word. And so what he says to him, he says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, right? So the man of God is the mouthpiece of God. God uses him to cast vision, right? 
to cast vision. He used uh, uh, other men in the church, elders, deacons, members, to help him along as we cast vision and as we do, thus says the Lord. It's going to be very important, but we, in all of us working together, whether, whether, they're, whether you're the, uh, the pastor, the elder, the deacon, members, what, we're working together, we got to understand that in order to get God what he needs done for kingdom, each and every one of us got to know our limitation. We got to know where God has gifted us and the area he has gifted us in order to bless the body of Christ, in order to make the kingdom of God grow. Verses 4 through 6, it says, uh, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the, but the, a good, the same God who works all things in all person. In other words, God gives each and every one of us a gift. There is no member of the kingdom who's not gifted. Because God in his mind didn't have only a Sunday morning only experience in mind. He didn't have that. That's us. That's us to be in council. His mind is that we use the gift he's given us to expand the kingdom of God. So the man of God, the mouthpiece of God, cast vision. Elders come along to to coincide with that vision. Deacons help to serve in the vision. Members help to call out. God has given given us an antidote. God has given us an ingredient that will work, that will bless the kingdom of God, but we can't change the Constitution. Isn't it interesting that the, the most churches that can't be kingdom-minded because we, because we're part of this democracy we grew up in, that we want to change the Constitution. We want the culture to dictate the Constitution versus the, the Constitution dictating the culture. So, so every one of us, I need you to know you're gifted. You know, as pastors, as leaders, you already know this, but when we go back to our, our congregation, but we're gifted, but even as a pastor, we're, we're limited what we can do, right? Because God didn't give us all the gifts alone. He didn't do that. He, he, he made it necessary that we can depend on others so, the God, so God's kingdom can be expanded. Not only, not only know your limitations, but secondly, watch this, always remain a student. I know, I know we're leaders. I know, we, I know we have experience. I know we know the word of God. But you and I must always remain students. We must remain disciples. We do not graduate from being a disciple. You, it, you know, <laughs> the Bible tells us to go make disciples, but it's hard to make something that you're not. What we, have to, what we have to always remember that if we're going to make disciples, we got to be one. We got to remain students. We can never get up. We know our limitation. I don't know everything. I don't have all the gifts into everything, but I'm willing to learn from you. 
this week that's changing some numbers, we ought to learn from each other. Because there's something that you can, can give me that I don't have. Maybe there's something I can deposit to you that you may have. But when we come together, we use what God has given us, and that way we can expand the kingdom when we go back to our various places. And then we can say, to the glory of our king. Because what we're doing, we're invading territory. Watch, watch these scriptures. Luke 6, 40. Luke chapter 6, verse 40. Watch, watch what our king says. Our, our, our king. A student is not above the teacher. But everyone, when he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. Y'all see that? Read one more time. A student is not above the teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like the teacher. So if we're disciples, right, um, we are not above King Jesus. Anybody disagree with me? Okay, okay. If, if, if we are disciples, we're still, nobody is above our king. But what we're trying to do is to be like the king. So watch this. Luke 2.52. Watch this. Jesus kept increasing in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and people. Okay, y'all missed it. Watch the king, y'all. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, people, or man. Y'all see that? Can I say it one more time? I like third time. <laughs> Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. What are you saying? The student is not above the master. If Jesus had to grow in every area without sin, those of us with sin, don't tell me we ain't got to grow. Watch the area. Jesus grew in wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. wisdom. That's psychologically. He grew in wisdom. He grew in statue. Somebody say statue. That's physically. Jesus grew in favor with God. That's spiritual. Somebody say spiritual. He grew in favor with man. That's social. Jesus grew in every aspect of his life, and he grew in favor with man. That's social collaborating. This is the Son of God. God in the flesh. He grew in every area of his life. Psychologically, physically, spiritually, and social. Do you see that? If we're going to grow, if we're going to be kingdom-minded, we got to know our limitations. Always remain a student. Let's continue to grow. Don't stop your growth. Don't ever feel like you have arrived. Don't ever feel like, don't ever be afraid to say, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Don't ever be afraid to pick up the phone, uh, pick up the phone and call somebody and say, can you help me with it? What's working for you? Maybe it can work for me. Because when I do that, it shows humility. It shows God, I'm not, listen, it's all about you getting glory. It's not about my name getting glory. It's about you getting glory. Because I'm trying to remain a student. Can I show you one more thing and I'm done? 
know your limitations, always remain a student, watch this last one, recognize we aren't in competition with one another. You're not my competition. I need to, we need to learn. We're collaborating. We're able to, we're able to come together. We're able, to, able to, to, to get resources from one another. Because I recognize we ain't in competition. Note, notice what 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9 says. I like what Paul said. Paul says, I planted Apollo's water. Do you see that? Working together. I plant Apollos water, but God was causing the growth. When the churches of my Lord grow, it is God, the one who causes the growth. When see, one of the things, Paul and Peter ministry was different, but they was on the same team. You get that? Paul, Paul, Paul and Peter's ministry was totally different. But although they was different, it was, they was on the same team. And I love that. Paul says, I plant Paula's water, but God is the one who causes the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who water is anything, but God who causes the growth. Watch this. Now the one who plants and the one who water are what? One. But each will receive his own reward according to, for, uh, for his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. Now notice you there is not singular. The you is there. It's plural. You. Right? You. Because it's something about us coming together. That we become God's temple that we become God's building when we come together, collaborating. We are not in competition. John chapter 3, John chapter 3. Um, I want to show you uh, this thing about gro growing together and collaborating together. Uh, we got to be each other promoters. We got to push each other to do more for God's kingdom, to expand the kingdom of God. And unless we do that, what happens is we'll get a spirit of competition. But do you not know in one season, you can be all right with, with encouraging somebody. And then when your season change, you stop encouraging because your season look different. Okay, y'all ain't going to be honest. There are moments where in one season, you can be one who can encourage somebody else. While you are in a good season, you know what I'm saying. While you're in a good season, things are going well. Yeah, you you can you can you can be the best cheerleader. But when you get into another season where it don't look so well, you stop being the cheerleader because your season changed. I want to show you something. John chapter three, verses twenty-seven through thirty. Watch this. This is John the Baptist. John replied, "A person can receive not any one thing unless." It has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, uh, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who, watch this, has the bride is the groom. 
but the friend of the groom who stands and listens to him. Rejoice greatly because of the groom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. Watch what John says. He must increase, but I must decrease. Notice what John said. John says, my, in this season, it is my responsibility to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand and to prepare, to be the, the, to prepare the way for the Messiah. That's, that's what God has ordained you to do, John. And so he tells this audience that I must decrease, he must increase. What do you do? Maybe, have you ever thought maybe God have you in a season where it's just your season right now to prepare a way for somebody else? What do you do when God puts you in a, in a place that in an area where you may feel like you don't want to be at, but maybe God puts you there to prepare a, 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 a play, a prepare a way for somebody else. Now, I need you to notice, John, I love John's language here because he shows not a spirit of competition. He shows a spirit that I'm here in this season to prepare the way for Jesus. But let me show you this. Let me show you this. Matthew's chapter 11. Matthew's chapter 11. Meet me at verse number two. Watch this. Two and, two and six. Watch what it says. Now, while in prison, this is John, y'all. While in prison, his season has changed. John heard about the works of Christ. And he sent word by his disciples and said, are you the coming one or should we look for someone else? What happened, John? In one season, you said you must decrease and he must increase. But because your season changed, you in prison, now you are questioning yep. the coming one. Is he the one? Or should we look for another? Watch our king. Watch his response. Jesus answered and said, go and report to John what you hear and see those who are blind receive sight. Those who limp walk. Those who are who, with the leprosy are cleansed. Uh, and those who are deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is any person who does not take offense at me. What you, can I tell you, Jesus just did not die that you can be saved, but he lived for our example. Notice his response. He said, listen, go tell John. What he was preparing me to do, I'm here to do. What he was telling them I was going to do, I'm here. And then, and then Jesus, in a few verses later, he says, there's none greater like John the Baptist. What is our, what is our king showing us about being kingdom minded? He says, know your limitations. Know, you, know, know your role in the body of Christ. Know what God has set you and what God has placed you and what God wants us to do in order for the kingdom to be expanded. But be a student. Always learn. Always be a disciple. But then he shows us, recognize we aren't in competition with one another. And, then when, and, and when we do that, we can say all for the glory of the king. And we don't have to be spiritual vampires. I don't just want his blood. I want him. Because I want him to be the ruler 
and the Lord over my life. Kingdom-minded in a castle world. May God bless you. Yeah.